There's a whole crowd of men out there who need this. Welcome to the case study. This case study will be marked down in time. Known to all as the record keeper of the historic rise of the woke man. Welcome, ladies and gentlemen. Actually, welcome, gentlemen. I don't know if any women will be listening to this, but quite frankly, I don't care. What I want is to see the change in man. Yes, that's hurt. The change in man. This is the Woke Man series, where you hear the stories of men who changed, who laid to rest their old ways of thinking, and who opened up and started expressing their truth. Revealing emotion, strengthening their self-awareness, and breaking free from the old paradigm of being a man. This is going to help men find the courage to open up, to break the shackles of toxic masculinity, and to guide them home in becoming a better man. Let's go. Oh, by the way, it's Luca. Luca Reedy from the Feeling Alive podcast. And The Woke Man is a sub-series. You're welcome. Welcome back to The Woke Man series, ladies and gentlemen, the greatest case study on man. And we're talking about the conscious journey. And just a quick reminder that this is not a destination. It is a journey. There is no right of being woke. There is just more wholeness in this process of living a conscious life. And that is the hope to help men out there. You know, if you're listening to this, going through some shit and some struggles that the wokeness isn't the destination. It's just a, a solution to help you feel a lot more wholeness, a lot more happiness, a lot more peace, a lot more love in life. So without further ado, I welcome Nathan Welch. Brother, thank you for joining me. Thank you very much for taking the time and having me on. Yeah, man. So a mutual friend connected us. How do you know Ashley Zanker? Um, seven, eight years ago, maybe even more. Um, I went on a trip to Europe on a Kentucky tour. Oh, wow. Um, she was one of the people that me and my then wife went off with. Huh, and there we you go. Sort of stayed in touch on and off every now and then. Yeah. That's wicked, man. Small world. Yeah, because she reached out and said, oh, I think Nate will be great for your Wokeman series. Like, cool, man. Sounds like you're in. But um, first question, brother. Where yeah. did you grow up and where do you live now? Um, I'm in Bendigo. I live in Bendigo now. I grew up here and moved away a couple of times over the years mm. um, with a girlfriend um, once and went down to the Big Smoke to Melbourne um, to become a salesman, trying to make it big and, I guess, feel things out and see what else was out there in the big wide world. Yeah. But I think you always come back to your birthplace back home. Were you missing it? Yeah, I did. All three times I moved away, I felt out of place and yeah. not quite comfortable. Something pulling you back home. That's interesting. Yeah. I've had some. Um, I had a crazy, an interesting experience in Bendigo once when we went. I was living in um, central New South Wales and we did a a weekender. I think I was seventeen. I had a fake ID. Went down to Bendigo. We drove down Friday afternoon. Got there at like ten, eleven o'clock at night. Went out in the town and just got absolutely fucked up on the whole weekend and i remember sleeping 
we ended up oh man it was just wild we ended up breaking into a hotel room because we thought it was a friend's room and it was a vacant one and um, <laughs> we slept there for free that night me and two other mates and yeah we went back at it again and it was just all like sort of like the drug scene there was good and party scene was good and that's what that's my memory of bendigo bro so i don't know any other um any other bendigo <laughs> yeah in your i guess younger 20s that is the bendigo yeah that you live sort of thing There's, yeah we're pretty lucky in that we're in the middle of central victoria so a couple of hours to melbourne an hour to the river out yeah. to the mountains, out a couple of hours to the snow, but there's not a huge lot that goes on in here for that early to mid twenties sort of thing. Mm, besides partying, was that your was that your experience in Bendigo? Ah, uh, yeah, in my early twenties it was, mm. um, celebrating life and running away from the past. Mm, for sure, brother, I feel you on Gen- that. Generally, what what partying is? <laughs> yeah. What? What? How old are you now? I'm 34. Yeah, cool. We might have been partying together. I'm 30, so I don't yeah. know. Yeah, maybe you would have been in the clubs when I was down there. Yeah, probably. <laughs> well, so what are you doing for a living now, bro? Um, I've worked for a construction company driving and rigging cranes for the last four and a half years. Yep. Um, cool. But about, I'm nearly up to eight months now. It hurt me back. Um, sort of accumulated injury and blew out a disc in me back and paralyzed myself for a little while and I've spent the yeah. last eight months oh, somewhat getting over it, more adapting to it. Yeah. Wow. So what you've you've been out of work for eight months? Yeah, yeah. I've been lucky enough to have work cover at insurance company, um, which is just a app thing to cover your bills. You don't really get anywhere but it's ending up on the street and keeps food in your mouth sort of thing mm. wow man and so what have you been doing in that in that time like you've been doing some recovering have you been doing like any learning or like what what's sort of taking your attention day by day um essentially that incident where my back blew out was what i consider the universe dropping a ton of bricks on me head because i wasn't listening mm. um I was going in a direction that wasn't my true calling and wasn't true to my heart. And for a couple of years prior to it, I'd been saying to people and saying to myself, I want to do something to help people. I want to further myself. I want more for myself. I want to be able to give back to a world that um, I sort of get so much energy and so much enjoyment from. Mm. Very extroverted by nature. Um so I was looking for something to give back and I've always had a keen interest in psychology. Um, so uh, probably six or eight weeks after um, I acquired the injury, I enrolled in a counselling diploma and a um, cognitive behavioural therapy course. And since I've also picked up somatic anatomy course as well. Wicked. Um, so in between hydro and pool and gym and trying not to rest too much because that's the important injury. Um, I've been trying to sit and work through the pain and, and study. Man, beautiful. Like to, to be able to use that power or that, that challenge now to create some power out of it. 
It's interesting yeah. though how you say like the universe regards you. Were you getting certain messages like, or were you were you being told like that you needed to? Were you getting signs that you should have moved out of that sooner? Yeah, yeah, to a point. I just just that feeling inside that you're in the wrong place. Mm. Like working in the construction industry and especially with frames, it's a hugely demanding job, mm. um, For sure, both man. physically and mentally. Um, financially, the reward's fantastic, really good money. Um, but you don't have the life and don't have any sort of life balance. There's no yeah. time to spend yeah. your money or spend time with your friends and family and or to, as I've found, sit and grow yourself. Mm. Um, and I'm not one to sort of sit stagnant and felt that I was sitting stagnant. Yeah. Powerful, yeah. bro. Did you do a diploma? Where are you doing the diploma of counselling? Online or? Um, it's all online by correspondence from a mob in Brisbane. Nice, brother. That's awesome, yeah. man. And um, will you ever go back to that that job, do you think, or are you done? Um, I'm trying to work towards the point where I can go back, but at the moment, I'm fragile. Um, literally yesterday, I scraped up half a yard. In a little unit, I scraped up half a yard of leaves and today I'm in absolute agony from it. Wow. So trying to get back to that so I've got a wage coming in while I can transition into private practice counselling mm. and working for myself. Good on you, brother. Good on you for having that goal and that vision. So it's just like matching the belief and the faith to have that, to follow that, hey. Because if you follow yeah. your heart, you'll always be supported. Yeah, and I'm finding a massive passion for it. Yeah. A lot of reward from it. Having spent time with someone for even an hour, um, talking them through a counselling session as part of the course, mm. and having them walk out, maybe not with a smile on their face, but a bit more of a spring in their step or feeling a bit more comfortable. Or Very rewarding. It's an incredible feeling. And, um, that's, I guess, what I was looking for the whole time. I just... Yeah, yeah, for sure, brother. That's beautiful, man. Do you um have you do you do any Joe Dispenza meditations? Because it sounds like a similar sort of thing that you're going through that he went through many years ago. Um, I don't, but I have done a bit of reading of his stuff, his methods, and essentially, yeah, I'm what I'm trying to do at the moment is tie in um, cognitive behavioral therapy with somatic anatomy and somatic embodiment in order to change the way um, that someone thinks cognitively to shift unhealthy thought patterns, um, but simultaneously process traumas and um, bodily reactions yeah. from someone as well. And it, it's, it's um, evidently sort of becoming really powerful and a, a really big shifter yeah. for yeah. people's... Yeah, the, the way that they're living their life and even physical symptoms. It's a powerful, the, the mind-body connection is so powerful, man, and I think it's still so misunderstood. The um, the the Joe Dispenza meditations, my partner's been doing them for an hour a day now. It's pretty phenomenal, you know, some of the case studies that's coming out, yeah, in his books, but his um his own experience as well was that, you know, he had a car accident and was needing surgery for his back. He was like bedridden, 
can't remember exactly what accident he had, but basically he was able to reconstruct his vertebrae and everything back together by doing like two, three-hour meditations a day. And now he goes, if I can heal this, I'll promise you I'll give you all my time and devotion to teaching this, teaching others how to do this. And yeah. now that's what he does, dude. He sells out events like in five seconds, thousand ticket events in five seconds. And um, all from the power of the, the mind, you know. It's yeah, crazy. It's, that's, yeah, the, the power of manifestation and um, through meditation or through, um, as a very good friend of mine, partner, um, she's a sexual educator. Um, I don't remember where I was heading with that. I'm very sorry. That's all right. Sexual, <laughs> she, what is she like with the power of belief, the mind? Yeah. And, oh, sorry. And even through prayer, um, setting your mind up and a mindset up to manifest a situation or thought or anything like that. Yeah. Um, it's becoming more and more evident, not quantifiable by modern physics and science just yet, but more and more evident just through results, um, how powerful it can be. Mm -hmm. Definitely, brother. Um, uh, it's, yeah, there's definitely so much there to be explored for sure. So what's, what's one thing you're really good at, Nath? Um... I'm going to jump on the back of what we were just saying then, actually helping people find comfortability and forward movement in their lives. Mm. Um, cool. it's through um, extrapolation and, and elaboration of my stories and my experiences and my learnings and then putting it into a perspective where other people can relate to it has shown to be a really powerful tool. Mm. Um, recently, I've started a secret men's circle here in Bendigo. Um, sort of off the back of the COVID crisis because no one was seeing anyone and everyone's lost their connection and their support and there's only so much you can do via text or over the phone. Um, and I think blokes they're getting lost, even more lost than they were through this COVID thing because of that disconnection. Um, there's all these initiatives to try and encourage blokes to open up and bring awareness to their mental health and that kind of thing. But there's very little what I'd call feasible action. Mm -hmm. um, so I just saw an opportunity to create a safe space or a capsule where um, blokes could literally share what they had going on in their lives without being given advice or told what to do or being given tools or anything like that. Mm. And just through listening to other people's stories, um, I had people texting me after a few that I've done telling me how awesome it was just to hear someone else's story and how relatable it was mm. just by resonating with them. It's powerful, eh? the power of sharing. That's yeah. cool, man. Good on you. Which, What's your... in essence, is what you're doing now and what we're doing today. Yeah, well, we're all in just this big army of uh, the awakening army, aren't we? Like just helping people find them themselves again. Yeah. What's your biggest? What's one of your biggest fears right now? Um, my biggest fear is and always has been success. 
um, it's something that's resulted in, I don't know if you know much about attachment styles, avoid an attachment style of behaviour, where I would begin a project or put myself into a situation or even relationship and fear as irrational and illogical as it is, but that's the human mind, um, I would fear it being successful. Mm. That stems back to my childhood days where... Would you, would you say, would you, so you're saying like your fear of success or your fear of failure? Fear of success. So you didn't want to be successful? I wanted to be successful, but I couldn't deal with it. Mm. Um, there's, a, there's a cool quote around that, something along the, the lines of um, our greatest fear is not so much failure, it's being powerful beyond measure. Mm. Why do you feel like it's, it's scary? Um, that irrational and illogical mind, it's essentially my wiring from my younger years. Um, once you start doing shadow work and delving into your cup, which is from up to about age of 15 or 16, that's when our, in computer terms, motherboard is constructed and then after that, the programming goes into it. Um, whenever I would compete in something as a kid, whether it be sports or tests or anything like that, um, whatever achievement I did pull, whether it be a, a C or a B or an A, uh, my parents were always of the opinion could do better. And I, I don't believe I was praised, but not to the point where it was good enough. Mm. So I would avoid that feeling of not being good enough. By not, mm. by not succeeding or not completing something. Mm. Okay. Um, I conducted a bit of an exercise in that. Uh, probably six years ago, I entered a bodybuilding competition just to show myself or prove to myself that I could see something through to the end, something that took 20 weeks of commitment and dieting and everything like that. Um, usually I'd get to about... In analogy terms, I'd get to 10 weeks and say, well, in my head, I can see this through and I can complete it. So I don't actually have to do it now. And then I'd avoid mm. the, the final wrap up. Mm. Yeah. Not quite finishing things. Yeah. Yeah. Well, in my mind, I didn't need to. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, that's cool that you can recognize that. What, what's one of your favorite quotes? Um, Alan Watts. You would have heard of him. He comes out with reams and reams and reams of wisdoms, as you probably can tell. Mm, love that quote. Um, favorite quote would be, unless one is fully able to live in the present, future is always going to be a hoax. Because mm. if we're always planning and looking ahead, looking ahead, looking ahead, when we reach the future, we're still not going to be happy because we're looking ahead even further. And the time for happiness or for achievement is now, is sitting in this present moment and being okay with it. Yeah. Yeah, I feel you. That's cool. What's a conscious man to you, bro? Conscious man. 
Um, conscious man is someone that's uh, emotionally intelligent enough to be self-aware. Um, consciousness in, in its effort, essence is self-awareness or awareness of self. Um, and to be a conscious, I think that it's simply being aware of your triggers, traumas, the way you intake information, the way you externalize your, your feelings and just being aware of how that affects other people around you. Mm. Mm, that's very true. That self-awareness is key, hey? Do you, do you did you take a while to you found that within yourself? Like when did you started to notice like that that was an important part of your life? Um, to an extent, probably a year, eighteen months ago. But for the most part, just in this last eight months, this last eight months since I've had this back injury and, and haven't been able to distract myself with a million physical tasks mm. um, and projects and construction achievements and that kind of thing. It's forced me to essentially just sit the fuck down and sit, think and feel. Mm. Um, and that's when I've found true self-awareness wow. and real emotional intelligence that I've been able to then take out back out into the outside world. Yeah, man. There's so much. There's so much power in limiting our distractions for that. Mm. Um, what's one thing that challenges you right now? Um, my physical capability. <laughs> it, it rules me life. It really does. At the moment, mm. uh, sort of overshadows my focus and my moods. Yeah. It limits where I can go, what I can do physically, because I'm. Um, historically very super physically active person. Yeah. So I've just had to think of different ways to to expel my energy, as you would say. Yeah. Has it has it been challenging? Has have you had to let go of some part of your identity, or has it challenged your identity because that was a big part of you, your physical aspect? Um, that's a very interesting question, actually. Not something I've considered till now. It, it it hasn't so much challenged my identity, but it's challenged a I can operate. I have to stop and slow down and think about things before I act or move. Mm. So it, in a way, it has challenged my identity because I was so full at a gate and full blown before that. Fuck! Mm. What a gift mm. it is, then, eh? It really has been. Mm. A terrible, painful, hellish one, but definitely <laughs> an enlightening and and massively growing gift. Yeah, I feel you, man. I feel you. Sometimes it's not it's not until hindsight, you know, like we can really see the beauty in it. Because at the in the in you know when a lot of shifts happen, you can't see the beauty of it in that period because it can be painful. But it's like, well, what's coming from this? You know, we both don't know, but clearly it's kept your it's created another path for you which is beautiful yeah yeah what does unconditional love mean to you um unconditional love means understanding means showing someone or something appreciation and care or well knowing 
come from, why it is the way it is. Mm. Mm, beautiful. Have you had an experience where you've given someone unconditional love before? Um, yeah, numerous actually. Mm. But I've learnt recently that you can have unconditional love and still withdraw from contact or interaction with someone or an entity kind of thing um, if it's not serving you and not looking out for you. So you almost feel like uh, unconditional love is, can also mean like leaving someone or something behind? Absolutely. Absolutely. Interesting. Because number one in this world, I have to have unconditional love of um, And if someone or someone to get in the way of that, then I need to set a boundary and step away from it. Powerful. I, I feel that, brother. Do you believe in a greater power and what's that to you? I believe in a greater power in terms of a God or entity that can that can mould or manipulate the world as we know it, but a greater power certainly in terms of um, connection amongst all living things on this planet that we can see, hear, feel, touch, smell. Um, I don't believe in a divine plan or or master plan, so to speak, but I believe that we can, we can through that connection and through, as we were talking about before, intention and manifestation, we can energetically guide ourselves. So, so you feel like a purpose or a perp like a defined purpose for everyone is, there's no one defined purpose for someone or, you know, there's multiple based on our choices. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. We we choose it. I believe we choose our own paths. Yeah. Cool, man. Cool. So we'll get into the main questions now. Okay. Um, this will be your conscious journey, brother. This is where it gets real, gets raw. And um, we sort of dip down and come back up in the end. So if it gets a little bit low, just know that <laughs> the, the high is coming. <laughs> what, what did your life look like as unwoke and what's it look like compared to now? Uh, my life as unwoken was. Can I define woken a little bit? Absolutely. My version of woken a little yeah. bit first. You said at the start of the podcast that you don't believe woken is a um, a destination and it is a journey. I don't consider myself a woken man, or or anything of that regard. But there's been a few defining moments which have changed the course of my my psyche and my character and um, my life's direction sure mm. um, about five years ago or was five years ago Easter uh, I took acid for the first time and prior to that I had little care for myself or my physical or emotional safety I was running from one buzz to the next I suppose you'd say whether it be drugs or cars or booze or jumping out of airplanes or motorbikes or whatever was going um, I think uh, coming from a childhood where I suffered 
can say suffer. It's a blessing yet again. ADHD, um, I got a lot of emotional uh, misregulation from that. So feeling something good or feeling a high, I usually would have to really get the adrenaline going to, um, to feel a high or to feel happy. That buzz would wear off and then I'd be looking for the next one again. Mm. Due to that, being involved in drugs, cars, bikes, most of the things that young twenty or young and mid twenty year olds are into. Um, come a lot of anger. I don't know what I was angry at. Mostly myself for not being in control. Mm. Um, I was very reactive, sometimes violent, mostly not very caring and not very mindful of other people's thoughts or feelings. I didn't go out of my way to to have fun at someone else's expense. Um, I guess I was just highly of the opinion that someone else's feelings are their responsibility and nothing I can actually do will influence that either way. But, but I've come to the realisation and conclusion now that, yes, people's feelings are their responsibility, but uh, my actions very much do influence the way they feel or their um, state that they're in. Mm. Um, so that turning point five years ago was at a, I won't name it actually, <laughs> it's a Twilight secret squirrel get the text message the morning of Bushdoofs to this top secret location. Um, mm. A few friends of mine were going to one. We've been every Easter since. And we... We got these cloaks that were, they look like death, you know, the character death, yeah. big pointed hood on the back of his cloak and uh, a white blank expression mask. And we thought it would be hilarious to walk through the door, five of us wearing these outfits when everyone's tripping balls and off another planet. Um, and mid couple of hundred micrograms of acid, uh, I guess if you've been a shit person, it'll slap it back in your face 50-fold, and it did. I saw the look of sheer terror on these people's faces and thought, what am I doing with this and with my life? I'm not contributing to this happy, celebratory place of learning and growth. I'm, I'm acting as somewhat of a leech here for my own benefit. And after maybe five minutes of walking through the party, I took off into the bush and stripped the, the robe off and sat under a tree. And I literally cried my eyes out for a couple of hours and took a good hard look at how I was treating people and speaking to people. And, and I felt true empathy for the first time in my life. Mm. Um, right. Since then, I guess it has been a... Uh, a linear growth period, I suppose you'd say. Yeah. Yeah. I can imagine. And so now you're sort of like looking at, well, you've got more empathy, but also you've got, you know, you're looking at what do you sort of do now to, uh, how are you so different now in your character? Um, I know you say you're not woke and I think that was a beautiful explanation because 
I really appreciate it when people acknowledge that because that's the, that's one of the, in my opinion, that's what makes a conscious man is to have the humility to say, hey, I'm not perfect. I still fuck up, but I'm on the pursuit of a better path and a better to be a better person. So I really do want to fucking respect you for that and, and honor you for that, bro. So, like, how was the character so different now? Because you were, like, you know, partying, fucking doing these drugs and, like, you know, maybe, like, interrogating or terrorizing people. Yeah, just living life in the fast lane, essentially. Yeah. Um, and living... I'll tell you what it was. It was living in a place of fear to serve my ego. Mm. How's that different now? I'm living in a place of love now um, and appreciation and gratitude, which I believe are the precursors to happiness. Yeah. Um, but instead of chasing happiness as a destination, I'm able to simply feel the, the whole spectrum of emotions and, and be okay with that, knowing that I'm in control of my ego rather mm. than having it. Yeah, fuck, that's beautiful, man. What was your biggest vice in that period? Uh, probably throw an umbrella over it, that avoidant attachment thing. Just anything to get out of the the racing thoughts in my head or the, feel, the thoughts of feeling unworthy, essentially. So what were the common things that you would attach to? Um... That thrill-seeking or not getting attached to relationships, um, drugs to run away from my head, mm -hmm. like the Saturday night MDMA trip. Yeah. Um, yeah, not, not getting involved emotionally with women because I was too shit scared of getting hurt. Yeah. Um, shit scared of being vulnerable. Shit scared See? of trusting. Yeah, so you were avoiding everything that would take you within. And, yeah, yeah. And, and more so, like, you were attaching to things that just would make you feel happy and feel good. Yeah, yeah, that's right. And that was right. all and, outside of yourself. Yeah, and very, very short-lived amounts of happiness. Yeah. It's all temporary when you're pursuing it outside yourself, hey? Yeah, they are. And that's the value of, as I said, LSD. You are not doing the right things, and I've always run off a very strict moral code. I haven't had those feelings of, of empathy or sadness or connection kind of thing. I've had my own set of rules around what's right and what's respectful and what's loyal um, from a place of logic rather than emotion. Yeah. Um, but everyone's got them in there and, and when you take LSD, it will sit you the fuck down. And it will fucking yeah. blow the roof off your head, eh? <laughs> You have a real solid talk to yourself about it. <laughs> yeah, I feel you. And what emotion challenged you most, um, most, Nath? Was it anxiety, shame, guilt, fear, or anger? Um, probably anger, man. Um, that's something I've really learned to get under control the last couple of years, but it, it was a big struggle before then. It was my my go-to for covering my fear, fear of uh, feeling inadequate, missing out, feeling loved, anything like that, um, feeling respected. 
um, get angry. And yeah. then that thrill of the chase, uh, yeah, thrill of the chase thing, yeah, chasing that buzz. If I couldn't get there through through normal or what you consider normal happy means, then get angry about something and I didn't make it all right. Yeah, I feel you, man. Do you, did you ever contribute those emotions to something that happened to your past? Happened in your past? Um, not up until the, the last year or so. Yeah. Um, when I've done a lot of unpacking and a lot of, you would call, consider uh, shadow work. Yeah. And um, so you've contributed to like where it came from or why, why were you angry, for instance? Uh, I think people get angry. Angry a core emotion but it's driven by a couple of things being um fear and not being understood um generally people will get frustrated and then that'll come out scared or they're not being understood mm, misunderstood so were you misunderstood growing up i believe so yeah mm. yeah um and frustrated too i wanted to be like everybody else i wanted to get invited to kids' birthday parties. I wanted to have friends. I wanted to hang around in the cool group like everyone. But when you're so emotionally misregulated and hyperactive and you move from one topic to the next, um, one situation or story or interest or otherwise, um, you can't stay and play like normal kids do. Mm -hmm. And kids don't understand that. So they don't want to be around someone so you're like sort that. of like rejected oh yeah 100 percent. or it was a feeling of rejection but it wasn't wasn't actual rejection it's yeah. just that kids, kids mind yeah yeah kids mm. choose where they feel comfortable and what makes them happy yeah have you found have you found yourself to forgive that process or forgive that situation and let that go yeah 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 absolutely because it's the add and hyperactivity things it's another thing that's been a massive gift. Um, if my mind wasn't as active as it was, I wouldn't have learned just half the things that I have over my lifetime. Yeah. Um, what, what is it that um, you think ADHD is now in your own? Probably you've probably done some research, like on on that. Like, is there? Do you have a belief system of what ADHD really is? Uh I was never formally diagnosed with it, so it was only till, till my mid-20s I started considering medicating myself on it, and um, I have a very good friend who died a couple of years ago who had a, a similar sort of life story to mine, and he said to me, don't, whatever you do, don't tranquilize yourself, dumb yourself down, you wouldn't be who you are today without that component of yourself. It makes you everything that you are. Mm. And that was, hearing that was a huge step towards accepting just I am is how I am. Yeah, okay. um, and with that acceptance, I guess you can, I can for, forgive the hard bits, the bits that I've made my own life hard with. Yeah. Yeah. What's, What's uh well? Whose love did you crave most growing up, and who did you have to be to get it? Um, 
hope mum's love the most. I guess she, both her and dad, loved me and so much time and effort into parenting me. Um, but they just had such high expectations for achievement, hence this sphere thing. Um, and I guess when, when I wasn't feeling like I had achieved, it felt like, I guess, love was taken away. Mm-hmm. And that's up until uh, a couple of years ago, that's flowed on into other areas in relationships where I've never taken criticism well, never taken it as something constructive or something to improve with at all. And, and thought that if I wasn't getting my love languages, the ones that I seek, um, met, then didn't understand that someone, that doesn't mean that someone doesn't love me. It just means that they love in a different way. Yeah. We are all running around, not all of us, but a lot of us are running around Projecting our hurt and past traumas, looking for for um, for solace. Mm-hmm. Mm. Who did you have to be with your mum to get that love? Did you have to change who you were, or did you have to do things extra to just see that that love come come in? Well, I don't think I was capable of change back then. Definitely not. I think. I'm not sure. Maybe mum's operating from a place of fear and her past wiring too, in that I believe she was hoping me and my sisters would be um, university graduates or academics of some description because she came from an academic background, being a teacher herself. Um, But as far as... I didn't really change who I was to um, to try and achieve that. Yeah. I guess I was ignorant, really. Did you feel like you let her down? Um, a lot of the time, yeah. Yep. Just being avoidant, I would act out, break things, take off, do stupid shit, get myself in trouble, distract other people. But yeah, I did let her down in a lot of ways. What about your dad? Was he was he cool? Was he you you used to got along well? Yeah, me and dad have always gotten along really well. He was um, somewhat more relaxed than mum, but he still had very high expectations of me, and and I guess they mum and dad parented together on a very equal plane with their their expectations. Hmm. Yeah, wow. So were they trying, because it's, it's interesting, it's like your fear of, you had that fear of success. Do you feel like that fear of success was sort of created by your parents because they did have these high expectations of you and that fearing that you couldn't get there or like what absolutely, that like man. when you get there? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of people I'm speaking with find that they're... Um, the things that that plaguing them today all stem from their parents, from those wiring years and what's expected from them in ways of achievements and how they act and and um, social status even with some people. Yeah. Um, 
but mum and dad, they weren't acting out of a place of, uh, what would you say, projection even. They just wanted really good things for us. Yeah, you can understand that too, right? Like, I mean, from their experiences growing up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm, Cool. And talk to me about one of the lowest points in your life, brother, and was suicide ever an option for you? Um, The lowest point in my life, suicide definitely was an option, actually. Um, We always laugh when we're uncomfortable, don't we? Mm -hmm. I um, went through a pretty fucking horrific marriage breakdown with a woman that I loved dearly and thought the absolute world of. She, she made everything in my world make sense. And over about a year, the relationship crumbled and um, we just weren't getting along to the point where we couldn't be in the same house together because this wasn't healthy for either of us. And... We'd worked really hard to acquire a couple of properties and a couple of dogs and had a, um, a really, really cool friendship circle where we were kind of the gravitational center of it, um, that in our house. And about oh, probably six or seven months before that fell apart, one of my very, very best friends, a brother of mine, Shannon, died in a um, really shitful accident and got to the point one day where me and my ex-wife were arguing and I always avoided that real lid flip sort of reaction where I'd yell because it would just terrify her and it wasn't fair. And I yelled one day for 30 seconds straight and I was so disgusted in myself I walked back into the room and said, all right, I'll move out tomorrow. Um, I can't ever do that again. And so in the weeks following that, I lost a very good mate and had a friendship circle that was fractured. I was going to lose the place that I called home, my safe space and this beautiful woman. And um, it just piled up and got too much and, threw a shell in a gun and closed the bolt on it and wrapped a towel around my head so it didn't make a mess and I put the barrel to my forehead and I don't even know what even what pulled me out of it but I sort of I remember sitting there in, in the bath five or ten minutes kind of thing contemplating it and um, I just thought that there's there's got to be more than this there's got to be another day there's got to be all right this can't be it and here I am today. Fuck, man. I really, really appreciate you sharing that. I can understand now why you were uncomfortable at the start of that question. Yeah, it's, yeah. And, um, man, that's... The funny The funny thing is, is that there's been two sort of responses. Well, there's been three responses. One is, no, it wasn't an option. Two was, yeah, it was, but I didn't have the guts to do it or I just didn't. Like, it was just a thought, like, what would it be like? Yeah. And there's been only a, jeez, oh, off the top of my head, I, I've already done 35 interviews. I can't think of someone to that point. I can't mm. think off the top of my head. And it's like, 
these are the stories that fucking resonate, bro. And I know that would have been hard to talk about. Have have you ever spoken to many people about that story? Or is this sort of like something, obviously, uh, this is probably the most public it's been? Oh, this is 100% the most public it's been. I've never actually told this, that story to the extent that I just did then, to be quite honest with you. Man, that's um, powerful. But it's only been, I can only tell that because I've learnt over the, this last eight months that that it's okay for that shit to happen. It's okay to have yeah. those thoughts and feelings. Um, it's okay to... It's okay to be angry. It's mm. okay to be upset. And there's days where you don't want to get out of bed or you just want to watch Netflix or you just want to have a couple of beers and or a heap of beers and knock yourself the fuck out. But it's only when that stuff becomes, becomes a rut or a hole that it's a problem. The rest yeah. of the time, it's our feelings are meant to ebb and flow. We can't feel happiness all the time we can't experience true happiness without knowing what sadness is or yeah. we can't feel the high without knowing what the low is i agree man and i guess through getting my head around that i've learned to understand telling stories like that that's all right good on you brother and that's going to serve a lot of people that story um which i'm sure you'll see with your new path that's opening up for you and the yeah, fact that, yeah. you know, you're still on this planet to be able to help many other men and even women if that's what your work's going to be around, but like helping just people come out of that spot and actually feel okay about themselves and not shameful. Did you, yeah. did, what was, I mean, the next question is, what was the significant, was there a significant moment of awakening? But before we get into that, like, what was your process out of that, you know, that moment in the bath? Um, it was simply to take one step forward. That's, that's all I can think of, all I can really remember. And that was to, to step away from the relationship by moving out and fulfill my promise of doing the right thing by this woman, um, whether it be stepping away or with it being with her or otherwise. Yeah. And at that point, it was the step forward was to move out of the house and, and get myself right yeah, and you... get settled. Did you talk about that experience to anyone soon after or was it like held within for a long time? I held that in for a long time. Um, I should have talked to someone 100% because there's so much comfortability and so much catharsis through that's emotional release for the people that don't know what catharsis is. Through simply speaking, the yeah. humans are... Our speech is the number one method of communication and feeling understood and heard is such a massive perspective changer and an emotional shifter. Fucking oath, man. I say that too. Eh? It's like dialogue's one of the greatest healers, if not yeah. the greatest healers, to just let it out physically. Like you're letting emotion out through the vocal frequency, right? Yeah. Man, that's incredible. And do you... Did you have a was there was there a significant moment of awakening therefore after or was it like the instance when you were at that bush doof, you know and you were crying up against a thing like what was the biggest moment of awakening to lead you down this path Definitely that that weekend away at the doof Yeah beautiful part about that was after I'd spent a couple of hours going through my my 
what I'd call unhealthy or unhelpful thought process. So I, I got to redeem myself mm. by helping a bloke who was spewing and passing out on himself about 50 or 100 metres from me in the middle of the paddock and dragged him back up to the doof and got him some water and, and sort of kept him entertained while he was in a bit of a state. And over the rest of the doof, I guess I was looking at it from a different light. I was talking to people to, to learn and understand them and share my experiences or something oh, funny or something beautiful. to help make, make their weekend. Wow. Essentially, that's what a doof is. Everyone brings a trick or a bit of wisdom and then you throw it in a bucket and you stir it all up and you have a party for the ages. Mm. Wow, man. Have you have you um gone back to one of those doofs recently? Yeah, I go to that one every year um, cool. at Easter time. Um, and I've been to a couple of others since. And so you I went think... this Easter or your back didn't allow you? Uh, the COVID sort of shut it down. Okay. Um, yeah. Wow. And postponed. Mm, beautiful. Man. But it's a bit of a an institution, really. Yeah. That okay. place. Yeah. Yeah. Do you reckon? What's your take on partying now? Like, obviously, on the other side of it, do you? What do you feel like the purpose of why humans party, in the sense of what you're used to, drugs and alcohol, and and whatnot. It used to be to escape the racing of my mind, escape the thoughts, escape my downfalls. I could speak to people I wouldn't normally speak to because I had a guts full of piss and had the confidence to do that. I could dance and not feel inhibited. And as you probably know yourself, the power of body movement is a really good thing, a really good feeling. Um, but when you have really low self-esteem and, and you're really inhibited, you sort of avoid it at all costs. Yeah. Um, cool. So it's gone from that to, to a place of learning now and, and celebrating life properly. Yeah. Can you do it now without drugs and alcohol? Yeah, yeah, yep. Isn't that Absolutely. I've actually managed to having a lot of time on my hands to meditate and, and sort of make friends with my pain, uh, managed to, I won't say create because the visuals just appear. Um, but I can reach a meditative state now where the visuals are much akin to that of DMT or Aya. Um, and the astral projection is, is it's very similar, very very similar. So you can very you can read like a very um, aware state from meditation now. You can, yeah, I can, yeah, yeah, yeah. And That's through uh, upregulation of my central nervous system through breathing and that kind of thing, um, can interject, I guess, myself into into other another realm or change the frequency that I that my mind takes in information from. Wow. What a journey. What 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 healing was big for you, man, on this journey? You know, you're coming out of this um from the bathtub to like shifting down a new path. What healing did you use most? 
Um, talk therapy was a big thing for me. Um, Sorry, in say saying that again. That talk therapy was a big thing for me. In saying that, like I haven't been to a lot of counsellors or psychologists. Um, I've just had one, one very clever counsellor that I got along with and, and she seemed to sort of understand how I was and what I needed to hear and what questions I needed to be asked. Um, and that was leaps and bounds. That and meditation and spending some time with a monk from the Atisha Centre we have here in Bendigo, mm -hmm. listening to their mantras on life, which are very simple but and so so hard hitting. Mm. Is, it, mm. is, it, is it in Sanskrit mantras or what sort of? Uh, it, it's just through their meditations. They Like in English? Um, is it in English? Yeah, yeah, yeah okay, in cool. English, yeah. Yeah. And you're just repeating it as you're meditating or you're just listening to it in your headphones? Just simply listening to him speak, yeah. yeah. Cool. That's powerful, man. What about your friend group? How did that change as, 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 all, as your life's changed? Has it changed much? I mean, you talk about your friend group changing from your last relationship. Has that come back together or what's, what's it looking like now? Yeah, it, was, it, was, it didn't change, so to speak. It was more fractured, um, but everyone sort of dropped into their their role and, and how we can act and re relate and where and all that kind of thing. Mm. Um, that became really cruisy very quickly. But my friendship group, I guess, has sort of evolved along the same lines as I have. Or, or if they haven't, then we could still relate on, on a friendship level anyway. Mm. My friendship group hasn't changed a whole lot mm. in the last five years. Cool. That's cool. Do you have like one or two close friends now that you can speak about all your, your, you know, these new experiences that you're having? Yeah, yeah, I've got a couple of friends that um, I'm very close with that um, understand where I'm at and can, I can level with them and, um, and trust them to respect my, my vulnerability and thoughts and feelings and they can advise me or Beautiful. I mean, to pull my head in when I need it, <laughs> which, is, which is very important. <laughs> yeah, it's nice to be regrounded. I think sometimes when we can go down the, even the spiritual path as well, like it's, it's like we almost have this, I don't know, it's, I've seen it a lot, it's like people can get lost in, in so much of it and, and yet be so disconnected from the real world and reality and it can be quite confronting for some people too but yeah it's important to have that person to just rip you down by the feet and go hey get down to earth here yeah yeah i can relate man yeah what, what part of your conscious journey are you most grateful for now the ability to feel real love hmm. instead of love based on MDMA. <laughs> <laughs> well, that, that's real love for about four hours, isn't it? <laughs> Sorry, man, I had to say that. And then it's real shit for a few days afterwards. <laughs> um, kids avoid at all costs. Yeah. Um, no, no, real, real love on a day-to-day -day basis. Love for, 
love for when it rains and for when it's shut, when it's sunny. Yeah, yeah, man, mm. that's beautiful. Can you imagine ever like thinking, thinking to yourself back, like back in the day, like fuck, will I ever like how? Couldn't even imagine yourself talking like this, eh? Like, you nah. know, couple country country guys talking about finding fucking unconditional love within themselves. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> fuck, yeah. man, that's gold. I love that, brother. And last question here, man. What's one tip that you'd give your old self who's just starting this journey? Oh, stop. Sit down and feel. Wow. It's the only way to to truly process something mm. <laughs> is to sit down and let it fill your whole body and let it light your skin on fire and turn your muscles to jelly and mash your bones and it hurts like shit but it's the only way to get anything through mm. to pass it through and, and find real comfortability on the other side of it isn't that interesting stop sit down and feel mm-hmm if that's one thing everyone listening right now can do, please do it. That is potent, mm-hmm. brother. It that... seems totally irrational because it seems nearly cruel. Um, some of my people I talk through um, somatic embodiment and um, psychological exercises, getting them to breathe into mm-hmm. where they feel pain in their body and to fuel it swirl around in their body it's fucking cruel it feels cruel at the time doing it but knowing my mind that it's for a greater good and for the for a greater cause yeah which is true healing wow and that's beautiful brother thank you so much for sharing this your journey with this audience and in this case study it's an absolute pleasure brother to share stories like yourself to those who need it most and Anyone listening to this obviously can reach out to you on social media. We'll have that in the show notes and uh, I'm sure there's going to be a few, brother. But, yeah, I just want to honour you, man, and thank you very much. Thank you very much for your time and your well-thought-out questions. No Been a good challenge. Yeah, well, you, man, we were just talking before this. You, yeah, um, had obviously listened to this before, but you weren't quite sure how far it was, you were going to share, but clearly you went there, brother, and, man, yeah. it's, it's challenging, hey, stretching that vulnerability muscle. Yeah. Oof. But um, as some of your other interviewees have said, that um, when you start showing things like love and vulnerability, that's what you energetically attract and, and what so people will show true, you. Man. That's so true, eh? Wow, yeah. brother. Thank you very much. And thank you to everyone listening. And we'll see you on the next episode. Take care. Much love. I got love in my eyes, bro, I can't see I'm gonna be who I'm destined to be Wokeness is taking my old self away Yeah, I put love into me I'm spreading that love, yo, don't you see Grab your cacao and drink it with me Cause wokeness is taking my old self away Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Woke man, wokey woke man Bring love and just be Woke man Wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, woke man, wokey woke man, bring love and just be.